it's Chris, the Supply Chain Doctor and host of Supply Chain is Boring. Over the years, I've interviewed some of the brightest minds and successful leaders in the world of supply chain management. In May 2020, I sat down with Ken Ackerman to learn more about him and collect a little supply chain management history. After our discussion, Ken told me about a similar interview he had with Dr. James Stock many years prior and the related work Dr. Stock was doing. In November 2020, I was able to catch up with Dr. James Stock to learn about his work. As an academic in the field of transportation, logistics, and now what we call supply chain management, Jim was well-connected to many of the original academic thought leaders in this space. Jim did interviews with many of these original thought leaders and shared them with me. The list includes Ken Ackerman, Don Bowersox, James Haskett, Bud Lalonde, John Langley Jr., Tom Menser, Tom Spee, and Daniel Wren. To carry on the great work started by Dr. Jim Stock, I'm dusting off these interviews and bringing them to you on Supply Chain is Boring. Good morning, my name is James Stock, Professor of Marketing and Logistics at the University of South Florida. We're here today to conduct an interview with one of the luminaries in the academic discipline of logistics and supply chain management. The purposes of this interview are several. First and perhaps foremost is to get to know the personal side of one of the leading logistics and supply chain academics, a person who has significant influence on their profession. We often read the person's books and journal articles, listen to their presentations at academic or professional meetings, and sometimes even have individual discussions with them at various events and venues. However, we rarely get to know the person beyond their, the professional aspects of their careers. In the field of literature and art, for example, researchers often consider the what, why, how, who, and when of a particular book or painting, short story, poem, and so on. They speculate on what might have motivated the writer or the artist to write the book or paint the painting, to determine the message or the story of the text or art, and the writer's or artist's perception of the contributions of their work. In the same way, through this and other interviews that will be conducted of leading business scholars, as Paul Harvey so often has expressed, we'll attempt to get the rest of the story. These videotaped interviews will hopefully serve as supporting material for various university courses where the works of these academics may be discussed. There will be a significant impact in courses where history and theory are being examined since these individuals contribute extensively to history and theory. Each interview is based on a set of structured questions uh, using an interview guide. Of course, the interviewee's responses are spontaneous they may lead to other questions related to those responses. However, the general format for this and other interviews will be conducted, that will be conducted in the future will be similar. It's hoped that audiences who view these interviews will get a broader and richer view of the people and events that have shaped their disciplines. We hope that you learn from what will be said and discussed during these interviews and be able to more fully appreciate and understand the significant contribution made by these luminaries in the field. So let's begin by introducing our distinguished guest. Dr. John, Donald J. Bowersox is presently Distinguished University Professor and Dean Emeritus at Michigan State University, East Lansing, Michigan, although he now resides in retirement in Lady Lake, Florida. He graduated from Michigan State University with a Bachelor of Arts in Pre-Law and Divisional Social Science, obtained a Master's Degree in, of Arts in Major, Master of Arts in Business Administration, also from Michigan State, and he completed the trifecta 
when he obtained his PhD in 1960, also from Michigan State University, where he majored in marketing and minored in transportation, economics, and management. His dissertation topic was titled Evaluation of Alternative Solutions to the Food Distribution Center Location Problem. Prior to assuming his academic career, Don was a pilot holding the rank of captain in the United States Air Force. He was the director of new business development for the Railway Express Agency and was a vice president and general manager for the EF McDonald Company prior to assuming his first academic position as an associate professor at Michigan State University in 1967. He was promoted professor during his tenure there and altogether Don served at Michigan State for 40 years. While at MSU, Don held various positions academically and administratively. He held the position of Professor of Marketing and Logistics from 1969 to 1989. He became the first person to hold the John H. McConnell Chaired University Professor of Business Administration in 1989 and held that distinction until his retirement. He was Assistant Dean of the MSU Business School Executive Development Program from 1998 through 1999. He then assumed the position of Dean of the Eli Broad School College of Business and the Eli Broad Graduate School of Management from 2000 to 2001. Upon retirement in 2006, Don was awarded the title of Distinguished University Professor and Dean Emeritus from MSU. During his career, Don has received numerous awards for achievement, including the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals Distinguished Service Award for Outstanding Achievement in Logistics and Supply Chain Management. He was one of the founding members of CSCMP, called at that time the National Council of Physical Distribution in 1963 and was its second president. He's received the Armitage Medal from Seoul, the International Society of Logistics, and numerous other awards and recognitions. He served as a member of the editorial boards of the Journal of Business Logistics, Journal of Marketing Theory and Practice, the International Journal of Logistics Management, Supply Chain Management Review, and several others. He's published more than 250 articles and 17 books and book chapters that have appeared in almost every major marketing, logistics, and supply chain academic and professional publication. He was co-author of the first college textbook on physical distribution, which has influenced literally thousands of logistics students in the United States and throughout the world. Don has made significant contributions to Michigan State and was the recipient of the Broad School Alumni Lifetime Achievement Award in 2002. He developed and directed since 1967 the MSU Logistics Management Executive Development Seminar that's been recognized as one of the world's premier executive education programs in logistics and supply chain management. During his tenure at MSU, more than 60 programs were presented, impacting literally thousands of business executives in North America and around the globe. Also significant is that Don has served as dissertation chairperson for almost 30 doctoral students, many of whom have become leading educators and researchers in the disciplines of marketing and logistics. Examples include David Close, Tom Menser, Tom Spey, Pat Doherty, Peter Gilmore, and several others. Throughout his career, Don has been a giver to his university, his students, the countless businesses that have interfaced with Michigan State, and the scholars throughout the globe. It's our distinct pleasure to get to know the personal side of this man so we can more fully appreciate 
his significant professional contributions and achievements. And Don, interestingly, as uh, all of those we've interviewed, uh, they think back and say, wow, we were able to do that much? And uh, it's amazing the folks that we've talked to, including yourself, have been so productive for so long. And uh, as uh, indicated in the introduction, we're going to try to get to know a little bit more about you beyond what we've seen in, in your professional writing. So let's start with uh, when you were a child, the, the typical question, when and where were you born? Wow, that's a long time ago, Jim. <laughs> I was born in 1932 on July 27th in Youngstown, Ohio, okay. right in the, the trailing years of the Great Depression. And was there anything in your childhood that uh, you say was significant in shaping your present personality? Well, I certainly think there were many things, but I, as I think back on it, it was sort of a driving uh, spirit of our household was that all the boys and girls were going to go to school because my parents didn't have that opportunity and they'd been through a serious time in the Depression and so they were really focused on education. Mm -hmm. So much so they almost scared us all off. Was there a personality trait that uh, drove you to succeed or perhaps alternatively impeded your progress? Well, there were a lot of days I thought it was impeding my process, <laughs> progress. Uh, I was a stubborn little guy from what people tell me that, that I uh, wasn't the easiest to get along with all the time, but I remember myself always being in a great mood and being cheerful, so I don't know if that stubbornness uh, ended up being focus on goals and hanging on to get things finished, but if there was a trade, I would say that probably was it. And how would your parents, if we could talk to them now, describe you as a child, and why would they describe you that way? Well, you know, that's hard to remember. I guess my mom would say I was cute, and my father would laugh. So uh, I, I just feel I was a typical child, no particular... Uh, traits that made me outstanding and, and uh, I can't remember anything that impeded my behavior in any way so okay. I guess typical would be the uh, the word I'd use. Okay and what did your parents do? What was your dad's profession and what did yeah. your mom do? Well my dad uh, had been a, a typewriter repairman back in the days of uh, the mechanical typewriter mm -hmm. and uh, the depression kind of changed his whole life he, uh, that's how we ended up moving from Youngstown to Lansing, Michigan. And uh, there's a little bit behind that story, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But uh, he never did get fully employed in a career again after the Depression. He did uh, various things like repaired typewriters, but soon they became obsolete. And uh, he didn't have the knowledge or training to do electrical machines. So he did other things uh, until uh, age forced him to retire. My mother uh, did sales work, and she was very active in the Democratic political party and uh, was a delegate to a couple national conventions. And, and the whole family seemed to be dedicated to uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's success. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the environment of the 30s. Don, do you have any specific memories uh, from your childhood that you've not forgotten? Uh, 
I thought about that quite a bit, and there, there are little memories of things which are not significant, but you remember them at time. I believe the move, the move from Youngstown, Ohio, where my family had always lived, where my parents had met, and where uh, life had been good prior to the, uh, the Great Depression, the move was uh, a migration of the family, and it was rather traumatic. I remember uh, that I ended up going to kindergarten three times. Wow. And, and I feel that's probably what gave me a real heads up on the academic world because I really learned how to, to do uh, the billy goat play and everything really great. Uh, but what happened was one year I went because the kindergarten teacher babysat me and I was illegal while my mother was working. The next year uh, I went because they started school a year earlier in Ohio. And the next year I went again because we were in Michigan where they started school a year later. So I remember clearly I was probably the best kindergarten student around. I, would, I, had, I really had it mastered. Well, that probably fits into that one play about everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten. Well, you I, got it three times. Yeah, it probably does, and uh, I think I'm still using some of that material. Good. Um, now, as, after you moved to uh, Lansing, um, tell us a little bit about uh, your educational background in terms of secondary school education sure. there. Uh, the, the move to Lansing, I think, is significant. Why Lansing? Uh, my father did get a chance to go back with Remington Rand after work picked up again, and that was the typewriter that he was a repair person for, and worked for them for several years until the electrical typewriter more or less took over the landscape. Uh, he had a choice of three different locations to go to, and we definitely went to Lansing because there was a university there. And that's all part of that drive for all of his sons to get uh, education. And so the, the family made a move based on that. They could have gone to other locations. And um, so so that that kind of set the stage from day one. We were going to go to college and we were going to go to Michigan State and there was no other discussion in my family. Mm -hmm. uh, even to the point where... Uh, Later on, I had an opportunity for a scholarship to another school, and and my father insisted I not take it and go to Michigan State because mm -hmm. that was his plan. And uh, he wasn't overly domineering in general, but on that point, he was non-compromising. And I'm really proud of that because it turned out to be a good decision. Okay. So you went to junior high or middle school and high sure. school? Sure. I went thing? to grade school, junior high school, and high school in uh, Lansing. Okay. Did you have a favorite subject that you studied while you were especially in high school? And why was that your favorite subject? I don't, I'm not sure I had a totally favorite subject, but I did like history. History seemed to intrigue me because uh, uh, I had a couple of teachers who could really bring the subject alive. Mm -hmm. And as such, uh, I found it very interesting. But I did the standard college preparatory, which was four academic majors in our high school. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I was did the route and the full route and and all the subjects. But I think history 
was the one that I enjoyed the most. Okay. Did you play on any sports teams while you were in school? Yep. I, I was uh, typical going to be a star in all three sports. Uh, <laughs> I ended up uh, playing primarily baseball, but uh, I, I did play football and some basketball and ran cross country also after I stopped playing football. Okay. Uh, and uh, how about school clubs or other activities? Uh, I was in a, a couple of different clubs. Uh, I remember in particular we had a club that was called the Fur, Feather, and Fin, and it was a sports, uh, outdoor sports club, and we did trips where we would go fishing trips. And, and although I didn't hunt, we had canoe trips, and that was a, a club I greatly enjoyed. I was also in a uh, history club uh, and probably a few other ones for at least part of the time. I can't remember them all. Okay. Did you participate in any kinds of student government activities while you were in I school? I ran for an office. I didn't win. I was a campaign manager of a, a person who did win, so I was involved in a little bit of student council. Uh, I was what I would call marginally involved. Was there a teacher or perhaps more than one that had a significant influence on you, uh, particularly in those high school years? And if so, who was that and what kind of influence did they have? Yes, I had, uh, I think, three teachers that, in the history area that I mentioned earlier, a guy by the name of John Breslin, who uh, was really a, a fabulous teacher. Uh, another guy by the name of John Young, who... Uh, was a very uh, motivational person who really stimulated us to want to go beyond. And then I had a, a teacher by the name of Millie Toogood who forced us in our senior year to, uh, to write the identical paper that we'd have to write in our freshman year of college, mm -hmm. footnotes and everything. I hated her then, but I loved her a year later. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. How would you describe yourself both academically and socially uh, as a high school student? Far more social than academic. <laughs> uh, uh, I would say that I was uh, very active in high school socially mm -hmm. uh, and academically I was about average. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And uh, outside of school were there any other kinds of activities that you uh, were involved in? I worked. Um, I had a part-time job most of the time I was in school. I worked in a drugstore and actually that's where the potential scholarship came from to go to Ferris to become a pharmacist. Mm. And I was pretty convinced that that was a, a good road to take. And my father uh, felt it was absolutely the wrong road to take. And so we had uh, a few great debates over it. Uh, but he he prevailed, and boy, am I thankful for that. Well, I'm sure you would have been as successful in pharmacy as you were in the academic business arena. I don't, I don't know. Jim, I have trouble counting uh, pills, so I'm not <laughs> sure I would have. Did you uh, receive any kinds of academic honors or sports honors while you were in school? Uh, I won a letter, in which team... team uh, all team members do that participate in the sport. I had no other okay. outstanding awards. Now, an interesting question in the era you were growing up, did you have uh, any 
person that you idolized, a teen idol, whether it's a movie star or a business person or politician, and why? Yeah. Well, we, a big part of our life, of course, was to go to Saturday football at Michigan State, and during the years of my high school was were the same years that their football program emerged and their university began to grow. And so we had a few players on that team. Uh, I remember uh, a good friend of mine now, but at that time by the name of George Geary, who was uh, a very small overachiever that was an extremely good football player. And I kind of uh, thought he was pretty special. Um, I don't remember any other sports or business uh, idols at the time. Uh, Mars was the decade before the sport cards. We didn't really have uh, quite the same uh, attention on national sports. I really don't remember any other hero. I thought a lot about that question. Is there anything that people would find surprising about you uh, to find out now uh, something about you when you were a teenager? something that they might not expect? Well, I, I guess uh, uh, they would be surprised to know that I was very serious about becoming a pharmacist because people who know me now would probably be the last profession they would cast me in. Um, I, I also think that probably most of the people I went to school with didn't think that uh, I would uh, end up in, as a professor, uh, so uh, I guess from that viewpoint, uh, those people would be surprised. Mm -hmm. I I look pretty much like a guy that was on his way to uh, to Oldsmobile, where an awful lot of the people from my class went and were very successful. And uh, I remember in my freshman year of college, the first semester, we had to uh, see an advisor from our high school. Mm -hmm. to sort of tell them about our experience and uh, I'll never forget meeting the assistant principal and he looked at me and he said what are you doing here and uh, I found that very both uh, humbling and inflating at the same time mm -hmm. so uh, I don't think people expected that I would go on to to become a, a PhD mm -hmm. I'm not sure they were surprised I went to college but uh, maybe graduating did surprise them now you mentioned uh, interest in college from your parents and you uh, ultimately attended uh, Michigan State University. How were you able to attend college? Was it through scholarships, working, did your parents provide the funds, or some combination of all of those? Well, it was, uh, it was a better time for our family than the earlier years, but there really wasn't a lot of money to support people going to college. Um, my brother had, had gone, my older brother first, and uh, he'd been in the military while he went to most of his school. Um, of course, I had not gone to the military at first. I was right between World War II and the Korean War. So uh, I started right out of high school into college. And um, at that time, I remember my parents uh, being very enthusiastic and uh, uh, as I recall now, they did help me each year for four years. They gave me tuition for winter term. We were on the 10-week terms mm -hmm. for Christmas. So for four years, they did pay for my winter term. 
Uh, now, the amazing thing that most people don't understand is it cost uh, $18.95 to take all the credits you wanted to of Michigan State. In the uh, fall, winter, and spring, you had to pay that three times. And uh, I had worked during the summer uh, after high school driving a truck. It was my introduction to logistics. And uh, I um, continued to work all the way through school. I had a job uh, uh, from before I started school right through till the end. There were many different jobs. So I was able to meet those expenses. And I lived at home for two years and commuted to the campus. And then uh, life took a little different turn. And I was able to live on campus for one year. And then I got engaged and I moved back home for a year. So. Okay. I only lived about five miles from the campus, and you could hitchhike in the morning, and I rode with the same people every morning. I didn't even have to put my thumb up. I'd meet them at a certain time because they were going to work, and I'd ride to campus and then go over and meet them at their car and ride back home, and they'd drive me off a block from my house. So right. it worked out pretty good. It was a simpler life in those days. Mm -hmm. So the one year that you were uh, on campus, was that in the dormitory? No, I joined Sigma Chi fraternity, okay. and uh, I lived uh, actually not in the fraternity house. I lived in an apartment uh, with a couple other students about a block from the fraternity house, mm -hmm. and uh, I enjoyed it. It was a good year on campus, but then my life took a slightly different turn. Okay. Um. Were you as excited about going to college as your parents were having you go? Um, I was afraid because I hadn't taken my uh, high school work academically as serious as I should have. To me, passing was good enough. And so um, I had to take a battery of entrance examinations. And fortunately, I had had a good balanced high school education in the four primary academic disciplines so I did quite well on the tests and uh, and I was uh, challenged I worked hard mm -hmm. and uh, I remember at the end of my first year of college I had the only thing I didn't have a C in was phys ed and ROTC those two things I got A's and B's in but everything else was a C but then, by the time I graduated, I had been on the dean's list several times. So Good. And so, um, how do you think your college experience, those four years of college, prepared you to be an academic? Uh, until my senior year, not at all. I was in pre-law and was on my way to uh, um, go to law school and was trying to be sure I had the grades for admission to law school. That allowed me to get in some advanced political science classes. So I was in some seminars with four and five students, of which two or three were graduate students. And we really had uh, uh, an opportunity to share our experiences with each other. And uh, of course, the graduate students were, not of course, but the two graduate students I remember in particular were on their way for PhDs. So that gave me the first feeling that there was a life that could relate to the campus. Mm -hmm. So 
it was about only at that time that I even thought about it, but then it was a passing thing because to me law school was in the future and and I was fairly committed to that. That's why I was in the political science divisional social science major. So how did you get to that point to decide to go for a PhD as opposed to uh, law school or pharmacy or anything else? Well, pharmacy was long gone by then. Uh, as a matter of fact, I hadn't worked in the drugstore for, for those four years. I worked other places. But um, that that really occurs much later because it wasn't until I was in the military that I had some experiences that that drove me back to the campus. And then I had a couple of things happened on the campus that, that changed my orientation. Okay. Um, now, Don, you had mentioned the military as, uh, as a turning point or something that impacted you. How did it come about that you went into the military uh, after your uh, college experience? Well, Korean War was, uh, was going full while I was in school. All of us were on a military deferment. We were all in ROTC. And if uh, our grades actually dropped below a two-point for any one term, we were back in the military draft. So that kind of kept you focused. And the ROTC led to a commission in the Air Force, and I was in the pilot preparatory program. So it was automatic that I would go in. I had a five-year military commitment mm -hmm. after four years of college before I could do anything else. Turned out I was only in about three in a half years, a little longer, because the military was able to cut back after things settled down. Okay. So when I graduated, I went to pilot uh, training. And while I was in the pilot training program, the Korean War uh, finally fully settled down. And so uh, I wasn't, it wasn't necessary for me to go to Korea at that point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that military experience, what you did, where you were stationed, other activities related to that military time that you had? Well, we, um, I started uh, in San Antonio, Texas, and, and was moved uh, from there to Columbus, Mississippi, and, and then from there to uh, Mission Field, Texas, and from there to San Angelo, Texas and then to Panama City, Florida. At that point, I was done with my, my, uh, all of my aviation training as a pilot, single to multi-engine, piston and jet. And at that point, uh, I went to a radar controller school because they did not have enough pilot slots. We had more pilots than we needed because we had a beefed up training program mm -hmm. for the war. I was assigned to Tacoma, Washington, uh, where I served my military time. Uh, I also got reassigned for a period of time for six months while I was at, uh, at McCord Field in Tacoma, Washington, to the RAND Corporation, mm -hmm. Santa Monica, California. And that turned out to be just quite an eye-opening experience for me. So uh, I was in the uh, 25th Air Division. Air, tra air Traffic Controller and Air Defense Command, and we were doing the 24-hour-a-day uh, radar surveillance of the 
northwest and the dew line up across Alaska during the height of the Cold War. Okay. It, it wasn't combat duty, but it was an unusual peacetime. We were sort of sitting on the edge all the time. Now, was there, uh, what, what would you say was the most difficult part of your military experience? Well, I, I think the, the most difficult part was also a maturing part. After you finished pilot training, uh, you were a pilot, and they put the wings on, and, uh, and then they assigned you to go fly. So while you were training, like in most businesses, you slowly work into things. Well, there's no slow when you're the pilot in command and you got an airplane full of people and you have to go somewhere. So it was that quick uh, emergence into real responsibility after all those relatively easy years of college life and part-time work. Mm -hmm. In the uh, Air Radar Command, we uh, we had some some fairly interesting moments when we had unidentified airplanes in our zones and some decisions had to be made that were pretty big decisions for 22 and 3 year old kids to be making so you weren't treated as kids. Supply Chain is Boring is part of the Supply Chain Now Network, the voice of supply chain. Interested in sponsoring this show or others to help you get your message out? Send a note to chris at supplychainnow.com. We can also help with world-class supply chain education and certification workshops for you or your team. Thanks for listening. And remember, supply chain is boring.